Good morning, church family. I am happy to be with you this morning to worship the Lord. Uh, this is a different week than we normally would have anticipated. What we expected was that we would be able to gather here in the sanctuary to worship the Lord together, and yet uh, the weather had a different plan for us. We are still without power here at the church building. Uh, the houses around the church are without power. And so uh, today we wanted to offer an opportunity to worship the Lord in a different way. That, that things would be a little bit different today, but I hope that you will join me in acknowledging that different is good. Different can be and is good at times, and it certainly is this morning, that though we may not have electricity in the building, we can run a generator to do this. Though we may not have uh, air flowing through the building, we can run a generator to run a fan, which can help us cool and uh, stay focused and attentive to what God is saying. So my challenge to us all this morning as we gather to worship the Lord together online is that you would listen for what Jesus is saying in this time. Different is good. Why? Because when things get turned upside down, when God disrupts our lives, he opens our ears to things that he wants to say to us. And I believe Jesus is going to be speaking to you this morning, not necessarily through what Dan has prepared, but through how God is meeting with you in this time of worship. And so I'm glad you're here. I'm excited that we're together and I'm anticipating God to speak powerfully in our lives as we worship him together. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Oh, dear Lord Jesus, you are here right now and you are working in this place, even though we're all spread out. Lord, I thank you that you are a promise keeper. Lord, I thank you that you are light in the darkness. And Lord, I thank you that your light always shines and that this is who you are. Lord Jesus, I pray for each person that is listening today. Lord, I pray that their heart would be willing just to receive your word. Lord, that their eyes would be open to see you and that their ears would be ready to listen. Lord, please be with us this morning. Be with us with your greatness and your power and your glory. In your name, amen. 1 John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, as you know, and as I mentioned before, today is a different kind of day. And yet, in the midst of this disruption that we might feel in our lives, there are certain things that can bring us comfort. The Psalms are one of those things. The, the, the aspect of our Bible, the Word of God that can comfort us in a time of disruption. The Psalms do many things for us, if we were to be honest. They, they, they teach us ways to, to seek God's wisdom. They invite us to experience God and to see that He is good. They remind us through, through repetition of who God is and what he's done and what he has promised to do. And yet also they are a, a, a method that God has given his people to comfort us in giving us songs to sing and prayers to pray and, and poetic ways to be reminded of God's love and faithfulness and his goodness to us in our lives. I imagine there are a number of us this week who long for the comfort that the Psalms provide us. A, a comfort kind of like a, a comfort food. I, I know for myself, I grew up 
in love with this dish that my mother made. It's called Florida spaghetti. And I, I don't know anyone who actually knows what Florida spaghetti is. It seems to be a very uh, a family recipe that's been passed down from generations. But it, it's this beautiful baked pasta dish that has this melding together of cheese and butter and breadcrumbs and garlic. And, and it's baked in the oven and it's so delicious. I could eat it again and again, night after night. It's a, it's a comfort food though. When I'm, when I'm going through a hard time, man, that, that dish will cheer me up. Some people, they like to have warm apple pie on a fall day or a hot bowl of soup on a cold winter day. Uh, others, they turn to cheeseburgers, right? There's comfort food around us uh, and, and it, it brings us comfort just to, to be engaged in eating the food that, that, that we are so familiar with. Well, today, though, I, I, wanna, I want us to consider that there is another way that God is inviting us to find comfort in him. That, that beyond comfort food, there's a greater comfort we can find when we turn to the Lord the way the psalmist does in Psalm 73. See, in, in Psalm 73, when, when all the comforts and conveniences of our world are stripped away, we learn that we can say with the psalmist that Jesus is all we need. We can personally come to grips with the psalmist and, and, and say, to him, say with him, for me, it is good to be near the Lord. So I want to read for us a few verses from Psalm 73. I'll summarize the whole psalm, but I certainly want to talk about these key verses in particular of Psalm 73, verses 21 through 28. Let me, let me read them for us. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. If you have uh, power or phones that have been charged, feel free to open up the Bible app and read along there as well. The psalmist says, starting in verse 21, When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, when I was brutish and ignorant, I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. So I want you to be honest with yourselves this morning. I want you to be honest because you know what? No one else needs to know if you raise your hand or not. I guess maybe the people in the living rooms with you, they'll know if you raise your hand. So you could just mentally raise your hand to this. Raise your hand if you can relate to these first few verses here in Psalm 73, verses 21 through 28. My soul is embittered. I'm, I'm pricked in heart, brutish and ignorant. I'm like a beast toward you, God. Can, can you relate to that? Have the conditions of your life kind of uh, given you reason to reflect on the psalm and say, hmm, I, I can kind of understand how the psalmist is feeling there, right? See, our psalmist is kind enough to give us a window into his soul and his struggle that he's having with God in light of his circumstances. See, he, he's looking at the world around him. He's looking at the, the people around him, and he's noticing what's going on in their world. He, he's, comparison, he's comparing his life with their lives. He's noticing the things they have and the things he doesn't have. 
And what's more is he's saying, hey, God, look at them. Look at, look at the evil and the wickedness I see in this world. They seem to prosper. You know, I've been faithful to you. I've been obedient to you. I, I've been what I thought was the, the, the loving child of God that you wanted me to be. And how come my life isn't prospering like their lives? See, it bothers the psalmist. It, it, it aggravates him. It embitters him that, that, that there's good happening in other, the lives of others in this world. And he's not seeing the same sort of outcome in his, in his own life. See, I think we live in a world of uh, envy and comparison. We, we live in a comparison culture. Just think about this past week. For those of you who lost power, did any of you go out on the front porch and look around the neighborhood when it was dark out to see if there was others with, with lights on and power or, or not? Were you out there kind of saying, well, how come they have power, but we don't? I mean, the, the, the neighbors behind us where we live, they had power two nights ago. And yet we still don't have power. What's up with that? They're, they're, we live in this world where we, we take a look at the lives of people around us from the porch of our own hearts. And we say, why don't I have that? Why isn't my life that? What have, what have I done so wrong that I can't prosper like I see them prospering? See, when we're focused so heavily on what we don't have and what others do have, something interesting happens in our hearts. Something interesting happens in our soul. Envy, envy takes root in our hearts and our souls like a tree takes root in the soil of the earth. And when envy takes root in our hearts, it grows a tree that fruit is bitter, that tastes sour. That's prickly and painful. The envy grows a plant in our hearts with, with lots of sharp prickers on them so no one can get near us because they're afraid they too are going to get hurt. When, when envy grows in our hearts, it, it takes us to places we don't want to go. We, we end up in places where we would not want to be in a million years. It makes us think things that aren't true of God and it makes us think things of others that aren't true as well. See, envy and comparison will destroy you from the inside out. Envy and comparison will steal your focus. It, it'll rob you of your peace. You, you know who else destroys, kills, robs? The Bible tells us that's Satan. Envy is one of Satan's main tools that he uses. It's a major tool he uses in his toolbox to destroy our focus, to, to steal our peace, to, to rob us of the lives that God desires to bring to us. You can see it in the Garden of Eden. Satan's way into Adam and Eve's uh, sin, into leading them into sin, was planting that seed of envy in their hearts. You know, God's afraid of you eating that fruit because it, he thinks that if you do eat it, you're going to become like him. See, Satan offered them a comparison. You can have the life you have now, but I think you're missing out on something. If you eat this fruit, you're going to get even more, right? He plants that little seed of envy in their hearts. And what does it lead to? Well, it doesn't lead to life or abundant life. It leads to death and destruction. I'm thinking a little bit about the story of the prodigal son. 
And, and so much of the prodigal son is focused on the younger son in this story where he goes away and spends all his father's inheritance that the father had given him. But when he comes back, the father welcomes him with open arms. But I want to just think for a moment about the older son. Because I think what the older son struggles with is envy. He, he struggles with the, the culture of comparison where, where he looks at what his brother is being given and he really wrestles with whether or not that's the right thing to do. Is the father being just in giving the younger son his inheritance again, welcoming him back with open arms, clothing him, throwing a feast in his honor? The older son uh, says to the, the dad, like he gets angry and, and turns to the father and says, listen, I've worked hard and served you faithfully all these years and you've never given me anything like that. Right? The, the older son's comparing what he has and what his younger brother is being given. And where does it lead him to? It leads him to this place of bitterness toward the father. Anger, envy is not a good thing in the older son's relationship with his father. But, but what the older son has missed out, he's been so focused on what he didn't have because the younger son was getting it, that he missed out on what he did have. Because after saying this to his father, after, after saying that he's angry with his father because of how hard he's worked and he never got any of these things, listen to what the father says in Luke 15. The father tells him, listen, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. What the older son missed out on is the fact that, 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 that all he ever wanted was available to him in the father who was with him always. What the psalmist reminds us is that God is truly the only thing we need in light of eternity. Right? This isn't a matter of desire. It's a matter of what's most important. As disciples... You, you are in a place where we have desires, just like children. Children have desires, and then they have things that are most important. And as we grow and mature, we come to see those two areas, desires and what's most important, come together as one. And as disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, as we, as we grow in maturity with him, we see those desires and those things that are most important in our life come to be one and the same, that being Jesus Christ. Saying that God is the most important person and thing in your life doesn't mean then that we love others less, that we love our family less, or I love my wife less, or my kids, or the church, that I love the church less. It means actually that I love my wife and my children better because I love God first, because I make him the most important thing in my life. And as I make him the most important thing in my life, I'm finding that I desire him more. Because I see what he can do in my marriage. I see what he can do in my relationship with my kids. And I want more of that. I desire more of that. I desire him central to every area of my life. And, and so it is with the psalmist here. He, he recognizes not only that, that God is good, but he is the greatest desire for him. Because he's the most important thing in his life. A relationship with God. See, this, this past week, our friends um, lent us a generator. We've been without power since Tuesday, as many people have been. And, and the thing about that is that, that at, when we had this generator, I'm, I'm learning all about what it is like to have a generator and to use it and whatnot. But you have to make some choices. You have to decide what's the first thing you want to plug into that generator. What's the thing that you want to make sure gets power first? Well, you know, some people will say the refrigerator and freezer. 
Other people will say like the USB charging station so they can get power to their phones or their tablets or, or whatever. Uh, others may even say, hey, we need to get the AC plugged in, right? I mean, we've been without heat, or we've been, I'm sorry, without AC, we've been, uh, our food's been spoiled. Uh, we've had no, uh, no TV or electronics to help us entertain the kids during the week. Uh, and, and so we're, we're having to make these value decisions. What's most important? And, and what we have to understand is just as you need to make decisions as to what you want to make sure you can plug into the generator first, because the generator can't handle plugging everything in at once, just as you make those value decisions as what's most important to plug into the generator, so it is with the Christian life. We have to make decisions as we walk through these times where our energy is depleted. We're worn out by the coronavirus. Many of us don't like wearing masks, but we recognize the value of them. We don't like the fact that, that we have to be socially distant from people. We're worn out. We're thin. We're worn down, people. We're, we're, our power level is on low right now. We're human. But you have to make that decision. What's, what's, what's most important for you to plug in, to recharge, to find that power that you need? And as followers of Christ, this, the psalmist reminds us, listen, the most important thing for, for me to plug into, the psalmist says, is God. What else in heaven do I have but you, Lord? You're the most important thing. As followers of Christ, as we walk through this time, we too need to declare, whom else in heaven have I but you, God? Jesus is the, the, the one we want. It is good for us to be near God. We want to be able to say that with the psalmist. For me, it is good to be near God. See, Psalm 73 is the psalmist's declaration of faith. It's his opportunity to say, listen, you know what? I actually don't care about how others seem to prosper. What I care about is being near to the Lord. I trust and believe that God is good He's, he's good to the pure in heart. He's good to his people. And so I want to I stay close to him. It, it, it's a moment where the psalmist says, I almost slipped. I almost went down that path where I was, I was full bore into envying what my neighbors had. And yet, I realized that, God, you've got something greater. That there's something greater in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the question I want us to ask this morning, has, has envy and bitterness taken root in your life? You know, this is not a question you can answer quickly, and, and I'm going to challenge you. Don't be too quick to answer that question. Take some time today to think on this. Are there places in your life where the, the, the seed of envy has been planted, where there is a chance that there is a tree of bitterness and, and prickers that's growing inside of you? I would encourage you to take some time to step away with Jesus and, and, and do some personal reflection. See, en envy is a weed that grows in our hearts, but God can and does transform that into a beautiful tree, a fruit-bearing tree, a tree that bears the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And so I think if I could challenge you one last time to let God beat that envy back in your life and allow him to do it through your prayer life. Over time, when you build time into reading the scriptures, reflecting on what God's word says, spending time in solitude with Jesus through prayer, you're going to see that your desire for God and your value of him being the most important thing in your life become one and the same. And I believe this is the ever-growing path of a disciple of Jesus. This is how we grow and mature in being children of God.
What a beautiful challenge from Dan to make Jesus the most important thing, to make Jesus the desire of your heart here on earth and in heaven. It's a different Sunday, and we're not going to have the words for you to sing along, uh, but we are going to sing words that the church has been singing for hundreds of years, and if you know them, sing with us. Uh, If they're new to you, then just enjoy them and meditate on their message. through times for the, uh, in the coronavirus of you know being without power and disruption from a storm of dealing with political and social unrest let's let's 
Let's root ourselves in the Lord. Let's declare personally, only if you truly believe it, declare as for me, it is good to be near the Lord. I'll close with these verses. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. May that be true for you as it is for me and all of us as we walk through these times in the year to come.